I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word and join me in Acts chapter 27 this morning. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be one on the back of the seat somewhere close by you. If you don't own a copy, I want to encourage you to take that home with you and begin reading. You can also follow along with me this morning as we walk through Acts chapter 27 on the screen behind me as well when we read the text together. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are two types of people in here this morning. And I'm going to need your help identifying who those people are. One is people who love to be in control. If you like to be in control, just raise your hand. You can raise your spouse's hand if they need it to be raised. Like to be in control. And by this, here's what I mean. You want to be in control, it does not make any sense to you if you're riding in a vehicle with someone not to be driving. It doesn't make any sense to you if someone asks the question, hey, where are we going to eat for someone to respond? I don't know. You look at that and you think, I can make that decision. You like to be in control. Some of you, you don't want to be in control. Just raise your hand. You don't want to be in control. Let somebody else make the decisions. Let somebody else take the blame when it goes wrong. When you get lost on the road. It's not my fault. Here's what's interesting and what we're going to see in Acts chapter 27 this morning. None of us are actually in control. None of us are actually in control. And the reason why is because God is in control. What we're going to see in Acts chapter 27 is that reality played out in the life of someone that we have grown to know and love as we've walked through the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul. We're going to see once again him continuing to seek to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, but in a situation where he was not in control at all. But his confidence in the fact that God was in control. I want to read the text for us this morning, and as you can see, there's a lot of verses to walk through, but we're going to do that together. Begin in verse 1 of Acts chapter 27. This is what Luke records. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius, and embarking in a ship of Adramidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. 
we sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we, set, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city that was Lacia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained the purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called a northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sardis, they lowered their gear. And thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned." Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, 
today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land. But they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. That you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that's going to frame our time together in Acts chapter 27. And it's this truth as we navigate the storms of life, we can rest in the reality that God is in control. None of us like storms. In fact, I don't know if you experienced this this past week as we got word that a storm was coming our way. It was a tropical storm to start with, and then they upgraded it to a Hurricane 1. If you were like me, you started making preparations started thinking through, how are we going to do this? I got a call from our insurance company about this facility saying, are you ready to make sure the insurance is good? And I thought, it's kind of late notice on Tuesday morning, isn't it? You know, the reality is that every single one of us experiences storms in our lives. Now, as we look at the Apostle Paul here, what we know about him is that this is a man sold out to the mission of following Jesus Christ, of going wherever he can and sharing the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. He is willing to endure whatever it takes for the gospel message to go forth and to transform lives. And it would be easy for us to think, well, if he's doing that, of course, if he's following Jesus, he wouldn't have to experience the storms of life. In fact, a literal storm. And yet, here's the reality check for all of us. Christians 
are not exempt from the storms of life. I don't care what the TV preacher says. Christians are not exempt from the storms of life. So how do I know this? Because Scripture is filled with evidence demonstrating that God's people often walk through difficult storms in life. We talk about difficult storms, medical diagnosis that you weren't expecting, the loss of a child, a pandemic, a job loss, having to care for elderly parents, the storms of life that none of us are looking forward to walking through. And if we're not careful as Christians, we may think we're exempt from those storms, but the reality is we aren't exempt from those. Just like Paul lived through and walked through a literal storm in Acts chapter 27, we too, as believers, following Jesus with all of our hearts, will often walk through storms in our lives. Church family, I've told you this before. There's something true about every single one of us. We are either in the middle of a storm right now, or we are just coming out of a storm, or we are about to enter into a storm. In fact, that is life. That is what walking the Christian life often looks like. Now you look and you may think, well, gosh, that is incredibly depressing, Michael. Thank you for that. Sunday morning, I came in to be encouraged, to be lifted up, and you just dropped that on me. There is encouragement, and there is reason to be lifted up this morning as believers, and here is what you and I need to know, that it is not by accident that we walk through storms in our lives. In fact, in the same way that many of us prepare as hurricane season comes on, the truth is for us as believers, we also need to prepare ourselves. We need to saturate our minds and our lives with the truth of the reason that we walk through storms and difficulties as a believer. And so this morning, taking our cues from Acts chapter 27, I want us to do just that. I want us to sit and to soak and to be saturated in the truth of who God is and why He allows us to walk through difficult seasons in our lives and how that furthers His mission and His plan. So I want you to notice this first truth. God allows storms to enter our lives for a purpose. God allows storms to enter our lives for a purpose. Now think about Paul in this story of Acts chapter 27. Paul has declared, I want to appeal to Caesar. 
Remember, false charges had been brought up against him. The Jewish people were trying to kill him because he was spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they tried to get the Romans to come along and to join them to kill Paul. And what we saw in the last couple of chapters is Paul walking through that difficult season and appealing to Caesar and saying, I want to go there. What we know is that God's plan already had been set in motion that Paul was to go and to share the gospel in Rome. Paul had shared it almost in the entire known world at this point, with the exception of Rome, with the exception of an audience with Caesar, the ruler of the known world at that point. And Paul said, if I'm going to tell anybody about Jesus, I might as well tell him as well. And this is his story of journeying through a storm to share the gospel there in Rome as well. God allows storms to enter our lives for a purpose. As you think about that, what purpose? Why does God allow storms to enter our lives? Why did God allow this storm to enter Paul's life? And why do we walk through storms as believers in our lives Well, here's one reason. It's that storms always expose idols in our life. Storms always peel the curtain back to our souls and show us what we truly value. What we hold of utmost importance. For some of us, it's the fact that we want to be in control. And the storms enter our lives and shatter the crazy thought that we ever had we were in control. And maybe it's our health where storms come in and shatter for us. We thought we were okay. Thought if we just exercise more and eat less, be good. And yet we end up with a diagnosis we weren't expecting. Maybe it was a job loss. And you look and you realize that maybe I valued that job more than I valued my family. And God in this moment is helping me see clearly in this storm that reality. But the truth is storms always expose idols in our lives. You know, as you look at what's going on in Acts chapter 27, as Paul has set sail, Paul is a prisoner, and the centurion was a guard who was in charge of keeping Paul in line, making sure that he left the coast and he made it in Rome as he was supposed to. And then Paul is surrounded by all of these sailors, about the captain of the ship, who doesn't listen to Paul, as Paul says, we shouldn't set sail. But as you look at that, what you're reminded of is that as we walk through the storms of life, we are oftentimes surrounded by all kinds of people. And here's the interesting thing, who are walking through many of the same storms that we are walking through. And for us as believers, we are able to see and to witness God peeling the curtain back, not only in our own lives, but also in their lives of exposing the idols that are in their lives. Not only do storms expose idols in our lives, but storms always enable God to work in and through us. 
Now look at where Paul is in the story. Paul is a prisoner. Paul is enduring this journey without much fanfare, without really a whole lot of opportunity to get up, to move about. There were 276 people on this second ship that he's sailing on, and it was likely tight quarters. It wasn't a comfortable environment, but this storm provided an opportunity for God to work in Paul's life and through Paul's life. Why is it oftentimes as believers that our preference is, God, take me out of the storm? When God's desire is, Christian, I want to work in your life and through your life in the storm. Imagine here if Paul just said, Lord, you need to get me out of this. And yet that's not at all what he did. In fact, Paul here is willing to allow God to work in and through his life. He's willing for God to use him in the context of likely what were a lot of unbelievers, people that had never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It wasn't by accident Paul was put on this ship. And believer, it's not by accident that you and I walk through storms in our lives, that God has appointed for us to walk through that, to endure that, so that he can work in us and through us. Isn't it interesting, oftentimes, that the work God wants to do in our lives, he can't do when we're incredibly comfortable. Listen, we like to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable None of us want to be uncomfortable in life, but most of the time, the work that God needs to do in our lives needs to put us in an uncomfortable place so that we recognize He is all that we need. In this scenario, Paul is enduring this storm, but God is at work in him, and God is at work through him. If you notice, at various points in Acts chapter 27, Paul will declare his faith in Jesus Christ. These guys are terrified. Paul says, God's got this. God's in control of this. God is at work in this. And God was at work through Paul to point people to Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting in our lives as believers that there are people that we would never encounter that ways in which God would never be able to work in and through us outside of the context of walking through a storm. And as we walk through that difficulty, it opens the door of opportunity for God to work in and through us. Not only that, storms always exalt God's name and God's fame. Now you look at that and you think, man, that doesn't sound like that works. It doesn't sound like it makes sense for God's name and God's fame to be lifted high as we walk through the storms. And yet, Paul, who is enduring this, would write in Romans that God works all things together for good for those who love Him, who are, listen to this, called according to His purpose. 
The purpose of every storm in our lives is to grow us in our relationship with Jesus Christ, to strengthen our faith as James tells us. But more than that, to magnify the name of Jesus. As we talk about walking through storms in our lives, that is the realization that in this moment, all of Acts chapter 27 and the chapters that came before that, after we look at these, what we realize is that ultimately God's plan and God's purpose is for the maximum amount of people to hear who Jesus is. God's plan and God's purpose is for the gospel to spread as Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 beginning in Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth that the fame and the glory of Jesus' name is on the lips of people all around the world. And for that to take place, God's appointed means for the gospel to spread and to go forth interweaved in difficult storms in Paul's life. And here's the thing that's true for you and for me. That if you look back at the tapestry of our lives, There's a lot of mess. There's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of storms that we've endured. But what you realize is that God is a master craftsman who is weaving all of those situations that we endure in such a way to grow us and to deepen our faith in Him, but ultimately to be on display for all the world to see how great and how majestic His name is. So as we look at Acts chapter 27, we're reminded that God allows the storms to enter our life for a purpose. You look and you say, okay, I mean, the bad news at the beginning or what we think is bad news is that storms enter our lives as believers. We're not exempt from those. And okay, maybe I feel a little bit better to know that God has a purpose in that. I mean, that helps a little bit, doesn't it? To to know that God has a plan and God has a purpose that He is unfolding in this world in which we live in our lives. I want to give you even more good news. And it's the second truth that God is present with us as we navigate the storms. It's one thing to say God is in control. God has a plan. God has a purpose as if he is outside of the storm looking at us going, hey guys, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. You're going to make it through this. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. But I want you to notice this. That God is present with us in the storm. It's not just that God has a purpose in the storms in our lives, but God is present with us in those storms. One of the most difficult things 
that I ever see as a pastor is people walk through difficult seasons of their lives. The things that we talked about a little bit ago, a diagnosis they weren't expecting, the loss of someone that they held dear, the loss of a job, marriage struggles, the things that bring storms into our lives. One of the hardest things as a pastor is to witness that in the lives of people that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because in those moments, I look and I say, they're missing everything. They're missing the one person who can walk with them through what they're walking through. And you may have come in this morning and you have been walking through a difficult season. You've been walking through a struggle and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something? There is no accident that you are here this morning. You didn't just stumble in this morning by accident. God has put you in the seat that you are sitting in with a purpose and a plan to open your eyes so that you see what you desperately need, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the reality is He is present with us as believers when we walk through the storms of life. God's presence prevents despair in the storm. You ever experience despair? A time in your life when you wondered if you could pick your head up, whether you could get out of bed or not. A season in your life you wondered, is there a way for me to get through this? The great news for us as believers is that God's presence helps us not get to the point of despair, of looking and saying, there's no way forward. There's no way to take that next step. And here's why. You may be here and you say, Michael, I, I don't know. I'm a Christian and I, I, I feel like I have been there. I feel like I've been at that point. Where I was at the rock bottom, I'm not sure that I saw hope or light moving forward. And I want to encourage you with this reality. You have a Savior named Jesus Christ who has experienced everything that we have experienced in this life. Book of Hebrews tells us this. It reminds us of this reality that we don't have a Savior who can't identify with us. We don't have a Savior who can't identify in the storms, in the struggles, in the pits when we are wondering, can we take the next step? You say, Michael, how do you know this? Because you walk back through Jesus' life and you see this on display. You talk about grief and you wonder, did Jesus experience the grief that I've experienced? And we look at the scriptures and we realize that absolutely he did. Think about this, Jesus, 
the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Scriptures tell us when he heard that his greatest friend had died, it doesn't say Jesus, even knowing that he was going to raise him from the dead, that he said, no big deal. Scripture tells us Jesus wept. He grieved at the loss of his friend. You say, but what about temptation when I walk through struggles? I just feel as a believer as if I'm under spiritual attack. And we look at the beginning of the book of Matthew and we realize that Jesus went out into the desert and Satan did everything he could to tempt him and to dissuade him from following his heavenly father. And Jesus was able to endure that temptation and not sin. There is nothing that you will walk through as a believer that Jesus Christ hasn't walked through. And for that, his presence prevents despair in the storm. One of the interesting things I find in Paul in Acts chapter 27 is that at no point do you see Paul throw his hands up in the air and say, it's hopeless. You notice that? I'm not the best captain of a ship, but if I was walking through that, I'd have probably given up. Probably said, I'm done. I'm seasick. I haven't eaten. Ship's coming apart. I mean, did you read that where they were tying ropes around the hull of the ship just to try to keep it together? They're throwing cargo overboard. But not once does Paul reach the point of despair. Not only does God's presence prevent despair in the storm, but God's presence provides peace in the storm. Scripture calls it peace that passes all understanding. Where if you walk through the storms of life, as you are being battered by the wind and as the waves are crashing on you, that you in the depths of your soul can utter the words, I am at peace. When everyone around you is saying, how are you not screaming out? How are you not going crazy? How can you walk through this diagnosis or this situation and maintain your faith in the Lord? How can you endure that? And your words are, my soul is at peace. I can't explain it, but I'm at peace. For Paul, during this situation, walking through this storm, what we see on display is that because of his relationship with Jesus Christ, his soul was at peace. He was at rest in the storm. You know, it's interesting, when you look back at Jesus' time and his ministry, one of the stories that we read in the Gospels is that as Jesus was crossing over the sea, that a storm came up. Jesus is asleep in the boat. His disciples are absolutely terrified. They finally wake Jesus up and they say, what are you doing sleeping in the storm? 
And what does Jesus do? He speaks to his wind and his waves, and they stop. Don't lose sight of the fact that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, was part of the Godhead that spoke all of creation into existence. There is not a storm that you will walk through in life that Jesus Christ doesn't have the power with His very Word to stop. I don't know about you, but I want Him in my boat. And just think about that. With Jesus in the boat, how much peace does that provide? Not only that, God's presence promises opportunities in the storm. Think about that in Paul's life here. As he was walking through the difficulty, as he was walking through this storm, that the fact that Jesus Christ lived within him opened the door for the opportunity for him to tell people about Jesus. You notice there, Paul broke bread and he gave thanks to the Lord. He talked about the God that he worships is able to save us. That an angel appeared to him and told him none of us would lose our lives. That in this storm, because of God's presence in dwelling Paul, he was able to take advantage to tell these people about Jesus. Think about that, Christian, in your life. Think about the opportunities that open up. Because of the Christ who is in you, the opportunity to help other people see what you, Christ lives in you. That you have the opportunity to share the hope that you found in Jesus Christ. You have the opportunity to tell people why you are not in despair, why you have peace and hope in the storm. God is present with us as we navigate the storm. Acts chapter 27, we're reminded... that we can rest in the reality that God is in control. I want to encourage you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes this morning. And Our worship team will make their way up. We'll transition into a time where you can respond to the Lord this morning. You may have come in today and You've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ in your Savior. Maybe for you, a storm that you're walking through right now is the reason you're here. It's not by accident. You have an opportunity right now to receive what you desperately need. Not just to get out of the storm, but to have one who will walk with you through the storm. 
If you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, in just a few minutes when we begin to sing, I want to encourage you. I'll be in the foyer, and I want you to just step out into the foyer. Give me an opportunity to share with you and to pray with you to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. In this moment, Christian, you may have come in and you are walking through a storm right now. And this message was tailored just for you. You needed to be reminded and to be saturated with the truth of God's Word. To be able to look at someone like Paul and know that he endured the same thing that you're walking through. And that you have a Savior who can identify with you. And maybe for you this morning, you just need to take an opportunity and to come down and kneel before the Lord in front of the stage and spend some time in prayer. Maybe you need to unload the burden that you walked in here with, knowing that He can carry it. Maybe you need someone to pray with you, to talk with. I'll be in the foyer. I'd love to be able to do that as we begin to sing this morning. Father, use this time to remind us of the truth of your word, to remind us of who Jesus is and what he's done, to give us hope, to give us peace. We ask that in his name. Amen. Would you stand with me and sing? If you need to talk with someone, I'll be at the back.